Greetings, this is Aldo Gandia letting you know that this show is also available on YouTube. In fact, it was produced for video, so there's graphics and visuals that will help with the understanding of how bad this Chicago Bears team is. So go over to YouTube and uh, hit the Barroom Network and uh, type it in in your search and it will pop up. And the best thing to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get all of the updates every time we are live. Welcome to Bear Football here on the Barroom Network. John Buffon alongside Danny Shimon and Coach T will be joining us momentarily. The Bears fall 24-17 to the New Orleans Saints in a very frustrating game. Everything kind of fell apart there in the fourth quarter. Five total turnovers, four of which can be uh, attributed to Tyson Bajant. Uh, gentlemen, the, the Bears had every opportunity to go and win this ball game, and the miscues, uh, specifically from the quarterback, but also there was plenty of there a fumble penalties, you name it. Uh, when you're a sub average team, you can't you can't afford to have that many miscues. So uh, let's go around the horn and go with our initial reactions. Danny, we'll start with you. Yeah, John, you just nailed it right there. That was going to be my opening comment. Five turnovers to none. Five for, for the Bears, none for the Saints. Ten points off turnovers. You lost by seven points. That that's the that's the margin right there. So if you're a team that that doesn't have the talent that can overcome those turnovers, you know that, that those mistakes, you know it's it's hard for you. You got to play almost mistake free football. Now I, I do have to say the defense did step up. Now whether it was the defense or the, just the Saints doing some weird ass play calling, I'm not sure what's going on there with with their coaching staff and their their play caller and Pete Carmichael, but. Uh, Really, I mean, I mean, the uh, you know the Bears defense let them stay in there in terms, of game. and then and then just uh, but unfortunately at the end it was just you know too many turnovers uh, you know uh, obviously Tyson with the with the interceptions and then the the, the fumble uh, obviously DJ Moore fumble earlier in the game as well so yeah you, you just cannot overcome those turnovers when you lack the talent uh, on, on offense and and at some point in defense as well. Coach, what was so different in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter, as opposed to what we saw in the first half? Uh, your halftime adjustment with screens. I mean, what are we doing? Uh, Deontay Foreman, 20 carries on 83 yards, averaging 4.25, uh, 4.2 yards per carry. Our running backs continue to average over four yards per carry. But somehow, for some reason, we want to line up in 11 personnel and try to throw the ball with an undrafted free agent rookie quarterback. Um, and beat teams with his arms is just not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I don't like the halftime adjustments. We said it at halftime. You got to come out and run the ball, uh, establish the dominance in the run with the run game versus uh, in a tight game on the road. We just didn't do that. I don't like it. Danny, the uh, the the interceptions from Tyson Bajan, uh just looked like there was he was behind some of the receivers whenever he was letting it go. Uh, it seemed like they, there was maybe a crease there to throw it into, but he just didn't put it where it need to be put. But you would know better than I. As we see his stats there, 17 of 26, 214 yards, two touchdowns, three picks, uh, eight rushing attempts for 70 yards. Uh, also uh, lost a fumble and he was sacked one time. But what did you see uh, on some of on some of those interceptions? Yeah, and and then it's hard. Everyone's got to depend on, on Tyson. I understand that you know he had the, the four two was one before the turnovers, but you know this is a this is a rookie quarterback put in a hostile environment, and 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 to my in my opinion again failed by his coaching staff. You know in the first half we saw those boot actions, the RPOs, his ability to use his legs to get some yards. That was pretty much gone that second half. And like Coach said, you know, Coach and I have been on here, I think, week in and week out, yelling for, you know, to commit to the run. You are a running football team, Luke Getze. But for some reason, that, that second to last drive, you know, they come on, they're backed up on their two-yard line. And he this kid's just throwing three interceptions. 
and he comes out in shotgun, right? In shotgun, uh, the kid lineup in, in shotgun, empty set, no one next to him there. And, you know, he moves the ball a little bit, but then that's how we get the, the strip sack. But still, you're in shotgun. Run the ball. Get the guy off the line of scrimmage, off the goal line. Give him some space to room. This guy gets he just – he has an offense. He has an offense, and he will not uh, divert from it. He does not put his players in his best position to succeed. He does not play to the players' best strengths. He has his offense. He has his plays, and you guys are going to run my plays. Simple as that. He has no idea, no concept in terms of how to get these players to succeed and, and take their strengths and make them – you know, successful in the games. First half, we saw the rollouts, the boot action, all that stuff we saw with Justin in, in, in previous games. That to me was gone. If you got, if you guys saw that in the second half, let me know. I, I might have missed it because that was all gone. It was a lot of eleven personnel, like like Coach was saying. Your your, your identity in this team, I've said it week in and week out. You are a damn running football team. You want to win, Luke Getzey, or do you want to try to improve your resume, show the other NFL teams that you know what I can coach offense because you're not trying to win here. You're just trying to improve yourself and, and show other teams that, hey, you know, I'm creative, play caller. But when you're not, you're a receivers coach that was given a title of offensive coordinator and you're failing. You failed Justin Fields in the in the first eight games, and now you fail on this kid here, Tyson Bajan, in the last three games. Danny, you talked about those formations. And, Coach T, that's something you were harping on uh, before the game, during the game, and I'm assuming right now. So uh, do you want to you want to break down? I believe we might have some visuals to go with this, but let's yeah. talk about some of uh, some of the breakdowns here. Yeah, yeah, let me cook right here. Shout out to uh, – uh, uh, I forget her name, Tannis. I'll, I'll fix that up here in a second. But these graphics came out in, in a totally perfect timing, right, because this is what, Danny, I've been saying, what I've been trying to say all year – when we talk about Luke Getze, uh, the system he calls and the style of play in which he tries to call games or tries to play football. Uh, if you can see right there, the purple represents 11 personnel, obviously 12 or aqua, green 21 personnel and other and coral. Other would be 13 personnel, 22 personnel. If you see early on in the season, early on in the season, and this is why I said the play calling is trash. Justin doesn't trust what he doesn't see because it's too early to implement heavy 11 personnel early on in the season to try to throw the ball over the field. Why? Because wide receivers are not hitting their landmarks. The offensive line is not greased up or oiled up yet, and people are not going to the right spot. So we start out the season high 11 personnel versus Green Bay, Tampa, KC. And when we start showing offensive progress in Denver, you see where we do. We dip down and start playing less 11 personnel, more 12 personnel, more uh, 21 personnel and other, 13 and 22 personnel. Ideally, you go to Washington. Washington is the ideal game in which you – how we play football. The Washington game, game plan would have won today's football game, especially in the second half. Go with more 12, 13, 22, 21 personnel run the ball, or you can pass out of those formations like we did in the first half with boot actions. Or you have, And the reason why that works is because you have, you have more tight ends in the game and more running backs in the game that help your offensive line with protection. So it's easy to find players downfield. You see the Minnesota game, we were on our way back up to the garbage, 11th personnel heavy system. Right. I believe he he kind of curtailed his play calling because just got hurt early on. We come back down to heavy 12, 21, 13 personnel versus Las Vegas and we win the game. Washington and Las Vegas is the identity of this football team. L.A., 
we go back and wet the bed again. Now, I don't know if you have the graphics of our, there you go. So when we were, when we were brought Luke Getsy in, we were sold on the Kyle Shanahan style system. We were sold on the Kyle Shanahan style system. And here it goes by comparison, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. And I want y'all to look at what's in purple. The personnel groupings in purple, purple, right? Low 11 personnel, heavy up on the 12 plus personnel, right? Play action, uh, getting that offensive line, pulling from sideline to sideline and calling the game to the maturity level of your players. This is a young football team, young quarterbacks. I don't care who's under center. Call the game to the maturity level of your football player. And you see right here, 49ers. 21 personnel. Look at how look at how evenly balanced. If you had a trend line on the 49ers uh, 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 graphic there and a trend line on the Dolphins for a uh, graphic right there, you would see that they're pretty consistent across the board. This is NYP. Know your personnel and calling games to the strength of your football team. You can bring me back on screen. I, I, I'm, you know, what I'm saying, I'm, I'm. You listen. I. This is what I've been trying to emphasize the entire season. And when people say he's calling the same plays in the same system for Tyson Bajan as he is for Justin Fields, he's not. He's doing garb. He's not calling good game plans for either quarterback, either quarterback. And when he does, we have success a lot of the first half. But when he doesn't. You're down. I mean, your entire game, 14 to 14, you come out of the half and you want to go multiple 11, uh, 11 personnel, throwing screens, throwing the ball all over the field instead of featuring your running back out of 12 plus personnel, milking the clock, taking time off the clock and letting your defense rest. And I and I and I explained this to my dad real fast and I'm gonna let y'all have it back last night. I said, if you have three consecutive three and outs on offense. That's nine plays. If the other team, your opponent, goes down on 12 play scores and scores on those same three series, the, they eat up clock and make your defense play 36 plays versus nine plays. That's not complimentary football. You're killing your football team, Luke Getze. You're putting stress on your defense while not moving the ball on offense. So that's that would in that examples that would be nine plays versus thirty six plays that that are wear and tear you put on your defense. That is not winning football. And I wanted to get to that. Appreciate y'all giving me time to explain that, man. That was wonderful, coach. The visuals you breaking it down that kind of that explains it. When it. Like you said, if you're sold on that system, but you know Mike McDaniel's and Shanahan, it's not, it's actually not. <laughs> it's actually the way that thing that things are being called. It's not like that. And, and but what and, they do, John, is they, they and the coach uh, talked about it. They put their players in the best position to succeed, whatever it is for them to win that week. And and for some reason, this coach thinks that 21 personnel or 12 personnel is taboo. Damn it, it, you win football. You can still be creative in terms of the passing game with your with a 12 personnel or 21 personnel. You just got to be creative. You got to put your players in the best position to succeed. And this guy hasn't been doing it at all. That's why when everyone was harping on Justin, I'm telling you, this guy is not putting Justin in his best position to succeed with his skill set. 
The same thing with Tyson Bajan. Tyson's got a little bit different skill set than Tyson and then than Justin, but he's not putting him in, in best position to succeed. You win. We saw that the two wins they have against Washington and Vegas, they were much more heavier in the 12 personnel. They utilized the, the rushing attack. This, this team is a run first offense. That's how you win offensively with this football team. And for some reason, this, this offensive coordinator doesn't get it. It refuses to, to, to abide by that. And this head coach is weak and cannot tell his offensive coordinator, damn it, run the freaking football. So this is why you have a two, what, two and seven team now. That brings up a, a kind of a question that a lot of people were talking about. But Danny, we saw this isn't a new thing. This is this has been going on for through uh, Getsy's tenure in Chicago. So why is it that we saw last year up until the Washington game, everyone was talking about how this is the the worst play calling. This is a stagnant offense, and then they figured it out, and Justin started running the ball a little bit more, and they started scoring a lot more points, and then they revert back to not not kind of crafting the game plan around the players. And then instead of just saying, Hey, here's the game plan, make it work, you know, meet square peg, meet round hole. D Danny, why is it that we keep seeing this inconsistency? Is it, a, is it basically gets saying this, this system has to work. I don't care who we got or what, why, why do we keep seeing this, this, I don't even want to say it's inconsistency at this point. It's just bad subpar. Right. So basically what I, what I think John happened is, is yeah, this is gets his system and he says, I want to make this work. I'll make this succeed. But going back to last year, I think even Justin said that they went out, they, they kind of turned out that mini bye week after the Washington game, they went and took a look at some of the Ravens, you know, uh, formation, some of their, some of their plays there and kind of added some, some of those wrinkles to their offense. And they started running those plays and it got, lo and behold, they got some success off of it. But what happens is defensive corners start studying this and now they're preparing to shut that down and Getty cannot adjust because that's not his system. That's not his his style of, of, of forte. So he doesn't know how to uh, you know counteract what the defensive corners are doing. And then, so then that offense got bogged down. So he said, this year I'm going to come in and Justin's going to be my second year in my system and we're going to run my damn system. This is a system that I know. This is the system I was a receivers coach in. So this is going to be you know my system. But you know what? It's just him just taking a playbook and just kind of putting pleasure. Same with Matt Nagy. He brought that offensive, that Chiefs offensive system with him, but he didn't have the, the player like, like a Patrick Mahomes to go ahead and run those off platform off, you know, off target plays like he had, you know, so that's why they work with the chiefs, but they don't work here with, with, you know, with, with Nagy and the Bears. So it's, he's, he's not an innovative offensive play caller. He's got a stagnant offense that he's brought in from someone else. He didn't create it. He didn't, he didn't design this, this system. He's trying to copy and mimic it. And he doesn't know what to do in terms of counter what the defensive corners are doing against him. So moving forward, I mean they they got a game coming up real quick uh, on 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 Thursday night uh, where Justin Fields might play. Uh, so, okay, first let's let's just start with this. If Justin's not a hundred percent, should he be out there? No, because I'm saying no. I'm saying no for no. a number. It's in his best interest. Right. It's in the Bears' best interest. It's a lost season. They're not right. competing for the division but title. A short week, they're, right? On a short week, they're not they're not trying to win the division. They're not trying to win a Super Bowl. Why risk hurting this guy on a short week? But Danny, as you have said, this coaching staff might be trying to cover itself. They're trying. They're trying to probably get as many wins as possible to sh prove that they need to come back next year. So, what do you think actually does happen on Thursday? Well, well, Justin's a gamer. Justin already said they said today in the broadcast he doesn't have any pain. It's just and more about the grip strength. If, if Justin can play, he's going to go out there and play. And I think this coaching staff after today's game with with Tyson Bajan, I think they'll they'll put him out there. Like you said, they're going to go out there and try and win the game. But you know, for me, I, I wish uh, Justin would take another week 
little, little, little extend the break there with the with the, with the mini buy, if you want to call it again, and then um, and come back after the, the Carolina game. But you know, I, again, it's 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 not in from my opinion, it's not in Justin's best interest to hurry up and come back and try and save this coaching staff because they 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 put him out there. You know, in terms of they're trying to cover their asses and they've thrown them out there under the bus and trying to use him as a scapegoat already, in my opinion, uh, whether it's him or the front office. You know, they're trying to use him as a scapegoat to, to kind of say, hey, you know what? We need another quarterback. We need a refresh or whatnot to buy us some couple more years. So for me, if I'm Justin Fields, I'm not I'm not hurrying back. But Justin being the gamer that he is, being beloved and, and the fact that he loves his teammates, I think he'll try and come back if he can play. Coach, but I, I know we got some more uh, graphics coming up, but would you would you play Justin Fields and if he's not 100 percent? Absolutely not. It goes back to what we said last week when, when I think Aldo asked me at the end of the game, like, what do we, what, who would you prefer to see under, under center at this team? I said, nobody <laughs> with this coordinator. It's, it's like, listen, man, it, it, it is what it is. And, and Danny made a great, great point. Justin is a gamer. Um, he's probably going to try and go and put himself at risk for his teammates, right? But I want to go back to, to John, what you said about the whole last year and last season and uh, revising the game plan uh, ahead of the New England game to to fit, quote unquote, the skill sets of, of the players in the team. Look, it's not uncommon for an offensive coordinator to watch tape, right? Watch tape from another team and says, OK, what do I have in my playbook that looks like that? I'm going to run it to beat an opponent. That's what you're supposed to go uh, go with. But if we have the graphic, it's, it's probably a great segue into that. Mm-hmm. Right. What you do, what typically happens as an offensive play caller uh, an offensive coordinator, right? This is again another coaching, a coaching one-on-one thing. The reason why I drew the arrow from Washington to Denver, if you're coming off of a season where you led the league in rushing, where you led the league in rushing, your quarterback ran all over the league, right? Your running backs averaged over five yards per carry. You led the league in rushing. Then you start off your season, no matter how many new toys you got. You got DJ Moore at the time. You had uh, 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 Chase Claypool at the time, Cole Komet, a new uh, stable of running backs. You start off where you left off at the end of the season and reestablish that with your offensive football team team to gain some familiarity. You don't go out there and blow your watch, so to speak, and say, oh, I got all these new toys. I'm opening them all up and I'm going to play all with them at once. So I drew the arrow because it, it, it was it's, it's kind of backwards how we do it. You should start with the Washington game plan. And if you want to go to a heavy 11 personnel system towards the back half of the season, towards the end of the season, you slowly ramp that up. So you invert it, you invert it, and you slowly start implementing more things based off of your offensive football team's ability to handle it. If you can be on your landmarks as wide receivers, first of all, if you can block it. It all starts with the blocking. That's the first rule my mentor taught me. Don't draw anything up for me if you can't tell me how to block it. So if you're if you're healthy up front and you can block something, then you say, okay, I'll start adding more 11 personnel. And then if your receivers can hit their landmarks, then you ramp your offense up slowly. You don't come back out, come out and open up the whole menu at the beginning of the season, a la Green Bay. And people, you didn't get the preseason you needed, and people don't aren't hitting their landmarks. And when when Justin says, "Hey, uh, uh, I, I, it's a lot of confusion." At week one of the season, absolutely. 
if he's holding on to the ball at week one of the season and you threw everything in your playbook, Adam, absolutely. You ramp your offense up, coach. You don't throw everything at him at once. And that's what I'm depicting here with the with the arrow. It's it's bass accurate, if you will. Um, how we chose to approach this thing. Just wanted to make that point, man. Yeah, and I think that we're I th- we're at the, we're officially, I guess, now that there's not 16 games, we're kind of past the midpoint of the season now, but we're right in the midst. So it is time to analyze what the first eight, nine games looked like. And so, and that's what you have to do whenever your team only has two wins. So let's, uh, let's try to talk about something that might've worked a little bit well today. Danny, what did you see from the offensive line today? Because, you know, for the most part, kept Tyson Bajan pretty clean. Uh, What did you like from the, the, um, I guess the formula they used today with the offensive line? Well, like like oh, we've been preaching all day, that right side, the the, the power with 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 the rookie Darnell Wright and, and now Tevin Jenkins there. You know, previously it was Nate Davis. Is is that's where their their power is at? That's where they can move people off the line of scrimmage. That's where the running back should hit up behind those guys. And a lot of times we saw it today, whether it was Deontay Foreman or, or Evans, you know, hit behind those guys and get get big you know positive gains. So I think that's that's a positive I got there too. Braxton Jones in that first half, I think, played well. I think second half, we saw a little more snaps play well. My question is, why wasn't in there for that final final drive? I know he was on a snap count, but dude, this is a, this is a drive that could potentially tie this game. I would, you would think if he's, uh, you know, if there's no, you know, met, um, um, health setbacks, you'd go back, put him in there, and, and have him, you know, try and protect. But he had Larry Borman there, and that's that was the guy that, that helped, you know, uh, got beaten that caused that that sack fumble. So, you know, again, the the, the Braxton Jones come back. The, the brief glimpses I saw him, I, I think he looked positive. There was the the false start, which he has got to clean that up. But uh, you know, I think overall, I think he looked looked okay. And I love that right side, whether it's Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright or Nate Davis and 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 Darnell Wright on that right side, and you pull Jenkins back to left left guard when he comes back. Um, I like that power. I like the ability to run the ball. Again, you're 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 a running team. You know, Luke Getzey adapt to it. You know, uh, you know, accept it. Uh, look at the, uh, you know Kevin uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell, the, the Minnesota coach. He got Dobbs in uh, the trade this past this past week. His his starting quarterback got hurt. Puts him in and he helps him win the game because he put Dobbs in a position to succeed. He put called plays. He put in, in a, you know certain situations where Dobbs is comfortable with and helped him to go ahead and help succeed and, and win the game. This is without Justin Jefferson, without some of their you know their premier talent there as well. So that's what we're talking about. Put your players in their best position to succeed using their skill strengths. Danny, I want to go to a question from the chat room from New England Bears fan. When Davis comes back, would you move Tevin back to the left side? Yes, I moved Tevin back to the left. Tevin back to the left side, and then you know, for me, Cody Whitehair right now is just a guy. Uh, you know, if, and whether you know whether you want to put him at center, I, I don't know. The, the whole snapping thing was, was scary as heck. Not that Lucas Patrick is that much better, but you know, Lucas Patrick is, in my opinion, better at center than he is at guard. So you know, I, I would I would do move Tevin back to left guard insert Nate back at right guard and just me I would just continue to run the football use that identity as my football team and build my passing game off of that coach uh what did from the offensive line uh standpoint you would you, you once once Davis comes back you you kicking kicking uh Tevin back over I, I would I was wondering if you're gonna set that up and give give me an opportunity to disagree with Danny for once yeah right? <laughs> I figured I figured you would <laughs> listen listen I'm I'm selfish about it right because listen I like power football I like lining up and running people over, pointing to the holes and say, listen, you can't stop me. And I'm just infatuated with that. I just like the idea we can line up against any team and have Tevin Jenkins next to Darnell Wright and play bully ball. I know, hey, Danny, I'm old enough to remember in football when we had the strong side and the quick side on offensive mm-hmm. line. You know what I'm saying? So it's a little bit of nostalgia coming back where – 
that's how you used to formulate your offensive line. You had the power side and you had the quick side back in the day. And that's what I'm that's what I'm dreaming up uh, 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 days of uh, of old with that one right there. But, yeah, I, I you know, I like to keep them together over there and see let the other guys fight it out for the other side. So at least we know what we have. The only reason I'm putting Nate Davis back is because he's been a right guard his entire career. And, and then yeah. that, that formula was still working with Davis and right at the right side. And then you had Jenkins at the left guard giving you some more, you know, added, you know, I think that that overall makes your offensive line a little stronger. That's why. But because, yeah, because Davis was giving you the same kind of power uh, in terms of run blocking on that right side combined with Darnell Wright. Let's talk about one of the uh, the bright spots from the receiving game. That would have been Cole Komet. Uh, he uh, he seemed to be the safety blanket for Bayesian today. He caught five of six targets for 49 yards, also had uh, two touchdowns. And I I think uh, if it, looking at the updated stats, it said there was some discrepancy on some of the stats that I was looking at on the different sites because this one says six for 55 and two. So we'll have to get we'll have to figure out what his actual stat line was at the end of the game. But regardless, that's not the point. Uh, he seemed to. The, the the first touchdown catch was incredible. He was able to, you know, bully his way to the spot where the ball was going to be, he, and he came down with it. Uh, guys, regardless of who's playing quarterback, whether it's Fields on Thursday or they got to wait another week before he's back, uh, is, is Cole Komet finally, I don't want to say finally, but is he really putting himself as a, uh, a priority on this uh, offense as far as, you know, being that guy that can they move the chains and also be a red zone target? Uh, Coach T, I'll start with you. I, I think Cole Komet gets a bad rap, right, because the guy's asked to do – Three things. He's asked to be a de facto offensive lineman, a blocker, and a pass catcher, right? And I like the stat line for what he has a day, right? I think that should be like a typical stat line for Cole. He should get, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, five to six, five to eight catches per se, put up about 50 to 75 yards, and have uh, be effective in both uh, the running and pass game. And here's the thing about that. Let's connect this to what I said earlier. If you're going to go heavy 12, 13, 21, 22 personnel, the reason why you're doing that is to have your tight ends participate in your blocking scheme, and then they can delay off and catch some passes off of that. So, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be, you know, wide receivers type numbers most of the day, right? But I think that's a nice balance to have you and how you have them uh, be become or be effective in the, in the, in the, in the ball game. And, and Danny, you've been saying for years that, you know, don't expect Cole Komet to be a Travis Kelsey, but he can be one of those possession guys. And I'm thinking of like maybe a Jason Witten or something of that nature. What what uh, what my, do you think? Uh, yeah, my comp coming out of Notre Dame from was Kyle Rudolph. And that that's that's who he's mm-hmm. turning into. He's a guy that can give you, you know, between that 40 and 60 yards a game, give you a one or two touchdowns, you know, be a guy that be an inline wide tight end, you know, uh, a guy can block and also, again, you know, can chip and help out. Uh, uh, but yeah, he's that's what he's developing, and and the, the the rapport he's developed with his quarterback, whether it's Justin or Tyson Bajan, uh, it's good to see. You know, you you you've obviously got the big contract, so he's going to be part of this core moving forward. But yeah, and, and I like the fact that it's also he's being a, a nice outlet for for like Bajan for today, for example, on these you know his ability to kind of avoid the pressure, step up in the pocket as a sideline outlet pass, and he you know grabs a you know a, a lateral pass and goes upfield for for 10, 15 yards, gets a first down. So I like that ability because he's strong after the catch as well in terms of. You know, guy who can take on contact, you know, can can bull for himself through arm tackles and, and you know get you know positive yards. So you know, I think that's that's his game. Again, like I said, he came out, he looked like a Kyle Rudolph to me, and he's turning into a, a typical Kyle Rudolph type tight end for me now. 
Let's let's pivot over to the wide receivers now because Darnell Mooney led this team uh, as far as wide receivers go with uh, five catches, 82 yards, uh, and DJ Moore three for 44, um, and also had a uh, had a bad fumble. So what did you take away from this? They got the they got the ball in Mooney's hands early and let him kind of run with it. They they were trying to let him make some plays. Uh, DJ Moore, you you'd hope to see maybe a few more targets on his end. Uh, Coach T, what do you take away from the wide receivers today? Yeah, I like it uh, better distribution. I think Danny tagged uh, tagged out though uh, on X or Twitter um, referencing the underneath route that they got Darnell Mooney off of, like coming off the jet motions, right? Freeing them up off the jet motions, out of motion, getting them in the flat, right, on on nice underneath routes, crossing routes, and things like that are easy ways to get them completion, right? I thought that was something that we did well in the first half that where it happened to it the second half, it vanished, right? We went to – I mean, every play counts. You go to calling screens. That could have been another crossing underneath route where you get those guys the ball. So I think – you know what I'm saying? We're starting to find some things uh, underneath route. Uh, I would just like to see us get and work the seams a lot more, right, just outside the hash marks because teams are going to cover three and cover two zone us to death, right, because we love to play in the flats, right? Or it's like this kind of almost like bipolar thing, right? We want to play in the flats or we want to go deep. We have to start working into like the intermediate routes to – allow these guys uh, to work better underneath, right? And something just under 10 yards. All right. Uh, it looks like we have Matt Eberflus at the podium for the postgame press conference. Let's toss it over to him. Matt, we came back in the second half and they ended up, you know, 7-14, but we did a good job uh, with that, you know, adjusting. Um, and the players did a good job of executing to give our chance, ourselves a chance to win um, in that, in that uh, situation there. Um, with uh, – you know, really the story of the day, right, is just the takeaways. You know, uh, you can't – it's hard to win. You know, the league's uh, pretty even, you know, um, in most spots. And it's hard to win uh, when you have minus five. And, uh, again, that's a, that's a whole team thing, right? It's us protecting it, us protecting the quarterback, um, us getting on defense, and us doing a better job there uh, taking the ball away on D. So, again, that's re- really where the story was. Again, I, I uh, love the fight of the guys uh, at the end there. Defense gave us a chance at the very end with those stops that we had and with the missed field goal that they had. But uh, with that, open questions. Tyson Bajan's day, it looked like things were going very well for him through three quarters and then a lot of problems at the end, turnovers, not a lot of completions. What happened to him in the fourth quarter? Yeah, just, you know, I'm going to have to look uh, look at it. And they, what I saw out there was, you know, they, they play man coverage, right? That's what they do. They're tight coverage there. And uh, we were throwing it in the tight windows. And we got to do a good job with our, with our decision-making and accuracy. And that's where it is. And, again, I'll look at the tape to see exactly what they were doing. Um, but, uh, again, that's the, the first number one job of a quarterback is to protect the ball. You feel like you guys were getting a lot of opportunities at the end to win? Like it was there yeah. to take? Oh, yeah. yeah. We made stops up. We made stops on downs on defense. We had, we had time. We still had time. We still had time, and the guys were fighting and battling. And, uh, you know, because of that, we, we made it a game at the end. And uh, so I really believe that uh, we had a chance at the end there. What was the biggest difference with the defense in the second half? They gave a couple touchdowns in the first half, no touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, it's just the third downs. Yeah. The reason they kept those drives, we were playing the run great. We were tackling good. Uh, we were doing all those things well. And, uh, you know, during that first half, the only thing that they had on the plus side was the third downs. You know, like I said, five or six, and I believe two of them were in the red zone. 
Um, you know, so uh, that's where we need to get corrected, and we made the adjustment, and they did a nice job. Are you guys optimistic about Justin after seeing him throw Friday? Yeah, he's day-to-day. Uh, we'll find out more tomorrow, uh, and we'll see where it is because, uh, you know, we just – he started throwing, which is a positive, and we'll see where it is in terms of his functionality. Are you hoping that he could be back Thursday? We'll see where it is. We'll see. Uh, how was the week at large? How do you think you and the team handled that? There was a lot going on. You had trades. You had the trade demand that didn't happen with Jalen. You had uh, the walkers. And then you go on the road Saturday. Yeah, I would say really good. Um, obviously, if we would have won the game, it would have been great. It's not great because we lost. Uh, but uh, our guys hung together. They always do. Um, they practice well. Um, they came out ready to play uh, today. And, again, if we get the ball right, we, we would be right today. So that's, uh, that's where it is. Um, but uh, guys were physical. They finished every play. Um, and they, uh, they played our style, which is the style we want to play. Uh, Tyree Stevenson left with an injury. What's the latest on him? Yeah, we'll see where he is. Uh, I know it was a lower leg uh, injury. We'll see where he is uh, uh, tomorrow. The key to the running game, doing well um, early in the game, especially in the first half, and then there were any adjustments that they made because it didn't seem like there was many big calls as there were earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, it, they shift the front a little bit here and there, you know, to overload that one side that we were running to the whole time. And, uh, that's again, my hat's off to them. They made the adjustment, and it wasn't as effective um, as it was. But, uh, but again, uh, I thought we did a really good job overall during the course of the day of running the football. They, they don't talk much about Dayton's ability to run with the ball, but it seemed like he really took advantage of things out there. I could get 70 yard rushes. Yeah, he's had some really nice plays. You know, uh, it wasn't just the QB scrambles. You know, there was uh, uh, a disconnect from a, from the runner a couple times. You know, where he kept the ball on those, and uh, that was cool to see him in, on the edge there. And you know, it's also the, the keepers. You know, he had some waggles and boots where he got on the edge and had a chance to either run pass option, and he did a good job with that. Plan for sweat today going in. Yeah, just play him. Um, on the third downs, play them on the, in a two-minute. And, and, again, my hat's off to the defense. Really did a really nice job at the end of half uh, two-minute uh, during that situation. Um, you know, they still had some time. They still had some timeouts, and our guys did a really good job with that. But uh, for the most part, play them third down two-minute, then we're going to roll them in first and second down. So it was, it was a good plan. How do you look, dude? Look good. Look good. I had a couple good pressures um, there. He's getting his feet wet, you know, um, different, different style of defense, you know, a little bit different terminology. You know, so for uh, for him to come in here and, and play that many plays, it was cool. What was the significance for you guys to get that deal done yesterday, to get it done, not, not exactly right away, but before you even play the game, and now it's finished? Yeah, I mean, it's extremely important. You know, Ryan and his staff did an awesome job working through that and getting that done in a timely fashion, and uh, we're all excited. You know, when you add a pass rusher, you know, to your defense and to our franchise, uh, that's, that's a big deal for us going into the future. You and Ryan both talked this week about how you felt you felt you were closer than people thought. In what ways are, are you? In what ways aren't you? Uh, after a game like this today. Well, I mean, this would just this would be evidence that we are very close. You know, because you know, being minus five, you know, in the turnover margin and keeping it that close, uh, the the ability for us to show our style. You know, our style is to run the football, stop the run, be physical. Um, and just, we just got to get the ball right. What do, you, what do you make of Tyson's experience here now? If, if Justin's back next week, this is it for Tyson for now. Three starts, some ups and downs. How do you think he did filling in? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of his operation, okay, and knowing, you know, the offense and operating the huddle, in and out of the huddle, for a guy to come in there, um, you know, as a rookie like that, um, was, was pretty impressive when you think about it. You know, and uh, I think he's he, he's had really good moments um, in that, you know, the, the starts that he's had, 
And uh, again, he's going to build off of that. You know, he's got to learn. The most important thing Tyson can do now, because the, the performance is over, you know, is to learn from his performance and to get better. You know, and to partner up with the coaches, with the offensive coordinator, with myself, and look at those plays where he needs to improve, and also look at the good plays. There's a lot of good plays out there that he had, you know, in the first half, third quarter, um, today, and uh, he's got to build off of both those things. You guys, I, I think uh, they were on your half of the field for every play of the fourth quarter. Um, have you ever seen that before, number one? And, and number two, it, it, the game seemed to kind of grind to a halt there at the end with both defenses playing pretty well. But did you think you had a chance at the end to, to, to break through there? Yeah, yeah, we always do think we have a chance. Um, you know, we just got needed one takeaway on defense to give ourselves a short field and put ourselves in scoring position, you know, or a, kick, or a punt return or a kick return, or whatever that might be, to really flip the field. Um, because of the turnovers, they were playing on the midfield most of the day. And uh, that happens sometimes. And that's called sudden change. And our defense did a great job of rising up to the occasion um, on most of those occasions um, during the course of the day, getting the three and out, making them punt, um, you know, get, stopping them on downs and, and doing that. And that's, this gives our, our team a chance. What do you make of the offensive line penalties today? I think everybody but Tevin had either a false start or a hold. Yeah, you go back and look at those. Um, you know, obviously the false starts are the false starts. You know, we got to clean those up. But the holdings, you got to look at them. You know, sometimes that happens when you extend plays um, on the perimeter, you know, and you're extending plays as a quarterback. That happens sometimes. Uh, but, again, I'll go look at them. You know, I'll, I'll look and evaluate all those penalties and see what, see what we think. Do you get an explanation on the, on the, on the Bayless flag? Um, when you have penalties kind of a real inopportune time like that is, is that a learning lesson or should you guys be passing you just, learning can't, you just can't do that you know, we're, we're pro football players and coaches we know that you can't grab the face mask we gotta be better than that on the Tyson Bajan scramble in the first half that they marked it short and then you challenged them and won the challenge I kind of talk about the operation like how you decide to do that yeah, so up, upstairs, you know, Harry's upstairs, and uh, we're always looking at it. And uh, we thought, I thought that it was spot, spotted short to begin with. So we looked at it on replay, and then we had enough time. And, and uh, again, it was, it was early, so we just threw it. And uh, we had a good look at it, and uh, it was overturned. It was good by the league. All right, I think we've seen enough out of Matt Eberflus' press conference. Uh, before I throw it over to you guys, my, yeah, my uh, – my, my quick takeaways are one, I can never tell. Like, if you didn't watch the game, you couldn't tell whether or not the Bears won or lost by listening to his his press conference because of all the great things the Bears have done. And yeah, he's talking week. about every, yeah, everything, everything great that they did during the game and during the week. If you didn't watch the game and just had to guess off the press conference, you'd think they'd win, they won every game. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and two, it's, it's pretty interesting how you have to go back and look at the holding calls and see what it was and check out. You have to go look and see what happened there. And then when they ask him about Bayless Jones' face, he's like, yeah, that was a penalty. You can't do that. We're professional football players. <laughs> I think you kind of got his opinion on Bayless Jones at that <laughs> point where he didn't even say, he didn't even say, he didn't even go back to his, you know, go to, we have to go look at the tape. He's like, no, you can't do that we're professional football players you can't grab the face mask <laughs> so that kind of gives at you a point, heads up at this point guys i don't know why Bill jones is even active i mean why is he even on a roster in the first place why is he even, he, he brings nothing in value in terms of kickoff but he's like can't part return he, he can't he's not a receiver he still can't learn how to run routes right 
Uh, he's hurting on special teams. Why is he even active right now? I mean, maybe, maybe because you need a body out there. Maybe that's the only reason why. Maybe if you get uh, St. Brown back, you can maybe make him an active, and we can stop the 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 torture of seeing Bills Jones out there because he's a third round pick of Mr. Ryan Poles. But you know, if, if we can, guys, I, I don't know if we want to add anything on to to what Eberflus said there. I mean, like I said, he was putting me to sleep there with his with his with his talk. But uh, that that receiver conversation, I want to go back to. And I'm not trying to start a debate, right? I just want to point out there when when I said when the DJ Moore trade was made, and I said DJ Moore is a good receiver, he he'll be number one on this Bears team, but he's not an elite receiver, right? Where was DJ Moore today? With three receptions, 44 yards, I believe was his stat numbers were. You know, that that, that costly fumble he had, that drop touchdown, that would, that, would been a, that would have been a hard, that would have been a hard catch to make, but still he had his hands, both hands on it. This is what I meant by talking about elite receivers, right? You know, Marshawn Lattimore, who's a pretty damn good corner, was on him. Uh, they even, I saw uh, uh, Taylor, uh, the second-year player on him as well, and, and he was like not to be seen. OK, and then and, and in terms of Bajan was going through his progression, but that, that tells me and he was going to uh, Darna Mooney a lot more there. I've talked about some of the tight ends they're getting in, in action there. And DJ Moore wasn't wasn't getting open, guys. So so why is you know, this is what I, I just want to say. This is what I was trying to say when I said DJ Moore is a good receiver, but he's let's stop throwing the word elite out there. He's not elite. When you say elite receivers, you don't think DJ Moore. I don't think DJ Moore is an elite receiver when they traded for him. I don't think DJ Moore is proven to be an elite receiver right now either. I think he's a good player, a good receiver. He's not elite. And if you guys are, are trying, still think DJ Moore is an elite receiver, show me where, where was he today? Where was he? Well, he's not getting any help from his offensive play caller or or his uh, his quarterback play. <laughs> but but uh, but I but I but you're, the point is taken as far as getting him more involved. Um, Coach, what did you think? Well, two two twofold question. One, if you have anything else to throw in on the wide receiver conversation, and what did you think about Matt Eberflus's conversation or his uh, soliloquy at the podium? Yeah, I, I I was I was going to see I was going to see if you give me a chance to rebut a little bit. Hmm. Uh, elite, he has to prove elite, right? Thank As Danny said, he ha- he has to prove elite. But you know, guys, I like to get into the schematics and the whys, right? So against LA. Against LA, they like they like to run a lot of cover six, cover eight, and they'll go over the top to his side and man up or go quarters on the backside. So they're keeping the guy over the top and underneath and allowing those uh underneath corners to play a lot more physical with DJ. But to Danny's point, if they're gonna do that, two things have to happen. If they're gonna do that, if they're gonna rope a, a a safety over the top of you and a cover six, cover eight. And a lot of physical corners to play under you, more physical underneath. You won. You got to have opportunities where you beat that. You just got to – the greats do it, right? The greats do it. They beat it. The other thing is you have to have uh, your offensive coordinator that can know how to scheme and scheme you open to beat that. And one of the reasons – one of the ways you do that, one of the ways you do that, if you know they're going to be doubling – your quote-unquote star receiver is you have to do what we did with Darnell Mooney a little bit more and play behind the line of scrimmage. Think about how uh, Miami uses Tariq Hill. A lot of his motions and a lot of the backfield motions to get him open is they're playing three-card Monty with uh, Tyreek Hill and they're motioning him behind the line of scrimmage so you can't get a jam or a beat on them and nobody's going to cover you. They're not going to occupy safety on the way back in when you have a guy in the backfield playing around with his motions like that. So you got to get, you got to get more creative, man. That, that's, that's one thing. That's fine. If you want to talk about the offensive play call, not getting him in position to succeed. Right, and right. I'm but straight up. Yeah. I know, I know where you're going with that. Yeah. I know where you're going with it. Right. 
but yeah. but in terms of just just being because uh, you saw Python go through his progression multiple times and just oh, go for the fourth or fifth guy. And my only thing is, is is DJ Moore is a good receiver. I'm not saying he sucks. Right, he's got right. no talent. I'm not saying he's, he's a bad player. I'm saying we just throw the word around elite here way yeah, too quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just yeah. stop with the elite stuff. Right. The, the, the coverage <laughs> stuff you're talking about, the coverage yeah. stuff you're talking about, that the to cover eight, the cover sixes, the other thing to take away these elite receivers. Yeah. They play them against Stefan Dix. They play yeah. them against Justin Jefferson. They play them against Jomar Chase. They play them against AJ Brown. But week in and week out, those guys are able to impact the game. You know, not necessarily saying they have the 10, 10 receptions, 200 yards, but to have, you know, you know, impact plays, whether it was a touchdown here or a big first down here, you know, DJ Moore last couple of weeks has been, has been missing. And now last week, like I will say the Bears just overwhelmed by the defense yeah. of, of, of the Chargers, right? It was just a bad game. But like today is a, a one score game. This is where you want your big guys, your big time players to step up. And he was nowhere to be found. So you want to blame it on Tyson Bajan? You want to blame it on Justin Fields? You guys can, I, I mean, I'm just saying he is no. just not to me an elite player. John John, John talked about bring, John talked about bringing a bringing a, a a water balloon to a to a to a cannon fight right that's that's how I think about you know what I'm saying Getsy going up against some, some of these uh, elite defensive coordinators Danny I'm I'm there with you I know exactly where you're going with that right you want your dogs in those moments to be able to overcome whatever a defense is throwing at you in terms of double teams. And all that other, but the the narrative the, the narrative persists that it's hard to it's hard to diagnose any of our players, diagnose any of our skill position players without an elite play caller. He's getting out coached by everybody on the other side of the ball. And the other part is we had two key stops on defense in the second half, right? One on the fourth and one. That wasn't converted. Then another stop where you have two opportunities to tie the game and we're able to manufacture nothing. And those turn out to be turnovers and interceptions, man. It just that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. Right. We have a style of play. Play that style of play. The, the fastest path for Luke to get out of Chicago and get an opportunity as a head coach is to play 12 first person. That's what you want, Luke. We're giving you the formula, buddy. Just, yeah. <laughs> that's your fastest path out of here. <laughs> but the, the one thing is, is media-wise, right, when, when Justin was playing, they would run all these clips and slow-mo and say, look, DJ Moore's wide open here. Justin throw the ball to him. But yet, when Tyson Page is playing, it's saying, oh, our, our, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the DBs were covered. There was nowhere to throw the ball to him. He was covered. So it's like we, we, we got to be play even here both ways. Again, DJ Moore's a good player. I'm not going to knock the guy. That guy's a hell, heck of an athlete, good player. I'm just saying when, when the trade was made, everyone threw the word elite around. I just, I'm careful in throwing that word around elite because that, that, that tells me top at the top, top best of the best in the NFL. And right, he's not in that category for me. What did you guys think of uh, Iberflus' com uh, comments about whether or not Justin Fields is playing? Seem kind of evasive about it. Do you th just honestly think that he's day to day at this point, or would you uh, are they trying to keep get, you know the Bears sometimes, no matter who's in charge, like to pretend like they're covering the you know the codes of the nuclear to the nuclear codes. So they don't want to talk about anything. We go, we can't talk about that because we'd give away a competitive advantage because you know everyone's just dying to get a competitive advantage against a two and seven team. Uh, but uh, what do you what do you guys? think about uh justin field's status and did Iberflus's comments move the needle at all uh for you guys coach t i'll start with you hey danny big cap <laughs> <laughs> big cap listen they know listen ain't no way they don't know who's playing on thursday 
it's no way with all the noise that's been going on about quarterback competition, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, that I don't think Justin goes out there and gives it a go if he feels in the 90th percentile. And there's no way Pablo, you know what I'm saying, the retired Marine, his daddy, lets him sit this one out, you know what I'm saying, with all the noise that's going on with his fan base. The kid's going to be out there. They just playing it close to the chest, like Danny's saying, you know what I'm saying, they're they're trying to be G14 classified on us and, and, and looking like uh, one of the comedy espionage series we used to see on TV back in the day, right? <laughs> for, for me, John, I, I mean, for me, if, if I'm Justin, I said I said out this week, right? But I mean, this coaching staff, they wouldn't tell us if Justin was playing if there was a game on Sunday, much less a game on Thursday. So they're going to keep the top secret, right? But for me, if I'm Justin, I'm sitting out the week out just to make sure. But I know how Justin is, right? I know how he's a, he's a competitor. He's a guy who wants to be in there. He's itching to get back in there. And if he can play, he's going to go in there and play. Now, for some might say this might be a best opportunity to get Justin back in there. Tyson's coming off a bad game. And, you know, you know, to, you know it'd be easier kind of transition, get Justin back in there, anything, you know, positive momentum, all that stuff. So, again, for me, I think if 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 I was Justin, I'd sit out. But I know Justin how he is. And if he's if he's good, he's going to play. And they're going, you're going up against uh, on Thursday a team that many will think are is actually worse than the Bears. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the look at the records. Uh, but but uh, and that's a game that the Bears I mean, they want to win every game, but there's actually something at stake, unlike all of the other games, because if you beat Carolina, you keep them high up uh, high up on the draft pick. But then again, it's not like the Bears are far behind them either way, <laughs> so it could be a, a, a catch-22 there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that if Fields is going to push to play because he wanted to go back into the game where he actually dislocated his thumb anyway, mm-hmm. or at that point. He wanted to go back into that game. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that he's pushing to get back into the game, uh, and maybe Carolina is the game at home to to, to do that. Uh, I mean, it, going into it, uh, Coach T, do you think that they – there, this, this should this is before the season. This is one of the games where you circle and said, "Okay, that should be a win." Are we still looking at it that way? Yeah, I think they should bring Home Depot and Lowe's in to sponsor this game and call it the Toilet Bowl. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> that's that's my advice for this game, right? Because it should be garbage all around. Now, uh, listen, go out there, roll roll Tyson Bajan out there, and go out there and try to win the game and, and let the cards uh, land where they may. You know what I'm saying? Braxton Jones needs to get more reps anyway coming off of his injury so that would be a net positive right there let's see where we are with Nate Nate Davis when he comes back right what what is the true lineup get let's get this offensive line some reps Braxton Jones let's see where Nate Davis is let's get the offensive line sorted let's give Luke 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 needs listen because we have to be real about this thing the way Ryan Pose came out and he was you know what I'm saying uh, Glizzy Guzzling, uh Matt Eberflus on on the other day during his presser. We got to be realistic about the whole idea that you know what I'm saying. Luke Gessie might get another opportunity, so Luke needs all he needs all the live reps that he can get, and hopefully by the end of the season he's calling complete games. If you know what I'm saying, because you know Matt is a little bit married to him. He said this is the system I wanted because it was so hard to defend. When I had to go up against it. So Luke needs all the reps he can get. You know what I'm saying? Let Tyson go out there and get some more playing time and get this offensive line sorted before you bring back uh, Justin Fields. 
Danny, is this a game they could, should, won't, will, maybe win? It's hard. It's hard to even forecast this. Dude, stuff. Who knows, man? Are you going to the game tonight? Because if you go to the game, I'll say yeah, they'll win. But if, if you're not going to the game Thursday then, night, I don't know. I've already gone. I've already gone to one Thursday. Our whole, our whole, we're hedging our bets all over the track. Goes yeah. to the game with yeah. that because yeah. he's too yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in like the top one percentile of Bears fans that have gone to both games that they've won. I've been yeah. in attendance for both of those. But games. that means we're definitely losing Detroit because I'll be in the building. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, you know, it does have something to do with the players on the field, but we like to think that we have a little more impact than we do sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> uh, fellas, we, we've basically covered everything that we can cover about this game and the game coming up. Uh, let's go around the horn as we as we kind of close things out here. Coach, what's your final takeaway here and uh, what we can look forward to in the coming week? Uh, man, I don't want to bore y'all with it, man, but it's Luke Getzey, Luke Getzey, Luke Getzey, man. Like our the big question is, we know how Ryan Post feels about Matt Eberflus, and he'll probably stick around. How 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 is Matt Eberflus feeling about Luke Getze and you know his long term status with the Bears organization? And can he continue to? I don't want to say continue to grow, but can he find the identity before the end of the season and stick to it? Right? Like I don't. That's my biggest question about the football team. My biggest frustration. I think the defense is ahead of our offense. Uh, just by a tad bit, um, and the the Montez Sweat acquisition doesn't hurt that a little bit. Excited to see um, the guy get out there and really make some plays for this defense and see uh, how how far they can grow uh, in the coming weeks. Danny, final takeaways: what we can look forward to. Well, well, coach just made me throw up in my mouth there when he said uh, Ibrahimovic is coming back for sure next year. That kind of, mm-hmm. you know, really made me sick to my stomach there. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll move past that real quick. Uh, yeah, I and mean, for me, it was it was just typical stuff. I mean, th- this is a game where the Bears could have won, right? You know, a winnable game. They're in it. The defense uh, to to Ibrahimovic's credit, defense kept them in there. Five turnovers really hurt the Bears today. The ten points off of turnovers was basically the margin in, in the game here. You know, Tyson Bajan that first half, I think the game plan was was good for him. I think that was we saw some of his athletic abilities, ability to use his legs. RPO stuff, rolling out, you know, throwing throwing ball on the run. And in the second half, they just kind of a little bit abandoned that and just really t- towards the tail end of that, that second half, really abandoned the run game as well and put them in, in position to really, you know, get clobbered back there and make all those turnovers. So, you know, defensively, like I said, uh, they they played well. Uh, I like the way they rallied to the football. Sweat had a, a couple of pressures there where, you know, you know, typical sweat pass rush, converting speed to power, you know, bullying the offensive line back into the quarterback, making them uncomfortable, getting rid of the football real quickly there. So, you know, that was, I think, uh, coming off midweek, uh, being traded here midweek, making a couple, you know, a couple pr- pressures there. I think that's a good start for him. And the guys at Jack Sanborn, this kid is just a football player. I, I tweeted it out a couple of times during the game instincts his ability to, to key off of reads and, and and just be there you know he doesn't have all the athletic ability all the numbers and stuff that, that these guys test for but that guy's a football player and i just want to see sanborn out there you know a more and more snaps week in and week out whether you know edmonds is back in the lineup or not i, I think jack sanborn has has earned some some more snaps on defense so you know, those are those are my positives for for the game today and, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next week my final takeaway, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I said earlier this week that I'm, you know what, I'm not a, I'm not an analyst. I'm not the X and O guy that you guys are. But what I do know is the team is bad and it ticks me off. And I, I for me, 
I just want some real accountability as it pertains to winning football games. I'm tired about hearing about how great everything is throughout the week, how awesome everyone looked, how good everyone is, how how you know dedicated and you know impressive everyone is. I mean, this is the Chicago Bears, a charter franchise that's been around for over a hundred years, and we would like as fans to think that there's serious expectations every year. We know there's not serious expectations every year, but we would like to feel that with some of these this thing this. A franchise that we emotionally and sometimes financially invest in uh it just doesn't love us as much as we love it sometimes most of the times i should say so i i just i don't know there's something needs to be injected in to the organization to make people uncomfortable it just seems like people are too comfortable they're okay operating the way that things are operating now there's no they're not operating with an edge you're just like you know this is this is good this is a billion dollar and industry let's just let's just keep hanging out this is this is a good time i i i just need someone to shake up the organization organization and take it in a different direction because it has not been working i've never seen a super bowl i have not i wasn't alive in 1985 i didn't get to do the super bowl shuffle i i got to see one super bowl appearance in 2006 and that was it i i i need something else i and, and i'm tired of talking about the rebuild and whose fault this is every argument about bear about the bears on twitter is about whose fault this is <laughs> and i'd like to have more positive conversations about who is leading this team and who's who's uh who, who do we give all the credit for for all this their success? But we can't do that. That's not what we do when we're Bears fans. We have to argue about who's screwing the Bears up the most. I'm just tired <laughs> of doing that. I'm tired of having that same conversation every week of every year of basically my entire life. So I need somebody to shake something up in Chicago. That being said, uh, we got a lot of good programming here uh, coming up on the barroom this week. Uh, there some uh, different schedules go because they do have a Thursday night game. Uh, don't forget, Greg Gabriel will be on tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central. Buffone 55, my show, will be on tomorrow rather than Wednesday at 7.30 Central Time. Danny will be uh, there with us. And uh, also, uh, Coach Tia, but what's your schedule look like this year on your channel? Or this yeah, year, this week on your channel? 60, yeah, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 Central, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, 9 Central Standard Time. So check us out. We're going to break down. We're actually going through each place in Coach T's playbook and breaking it down, calling out coverages and all that cool stuff. So if you want to learn something, tap in. All that good analytics stuff that he brought today, you can see that on his channel. But that'll do it for this edition of Bear Football. For Danny Shimon and Coach T, I'm John Buffon. We'll see you next time.